just saying, I mean, how many times, you know, we talk about good enough is good enough, and I understand it from the customer's perspective, right? You're building a system, and they've decided that, that this level of installation, what they're looking for, that is the level you need to achieve. That's fine. Good enough is good enough in that situation, but it's not your job when you install it. Deliver a good enough is good enough scenario. You know, do not call Paul Zeely to come fix your mess. <laughs> right? Don't He's call. busy traveling. He can't come see you. Please, don't, please don't. stop. <laughs> don't call me. Don't call me to come fix your mess. I was that guy. Right? I was they called to come fix things. I didn't mind doing it because I love AV. I'm one of those misguided folks that, you know, my career as a roadie didn't pan out as I thought it would. I thought just one show and I'd be working for Keith Richards or whatever. Doesn't work that way in case you're actually listening to this show. So I go out. <laughs> yeah, we've got to start thinking about what kind of world our children are going to leave for Keith Richards. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and don't bother Justin Watts. He's napping in a pod over at Google. Don't do it, okay? It's just, it's just so painful. And I mean, I know Jeremy's looked at this before. I know Jeremy strives to deliver success and everything that level three does. He wouldn't be in the position that he is if he did not. You know, it's just one of those things that you, you look at it and we, as an industry, you know, it goes back to what Paul said. Paul's talking about his treat as a profession. We are a profession. And we're soon to become an IT profession with an entirely different set of deliverables. If we we, we already have. I know. Yep. Wow. So, well, well, Darren has. <laughs> I'm going to slow down. I'm going to start throwing stuff. Hang on. Yeah, well, actually, this is uh, bringing us very well into the second half discussion here, Justin. So good segue here. And by the way, be careful on those sub segues. They're dangerous. Um, anyway, we are moving on to the second half as we talk about the whole situation concerning good enough. Here on, and by the way, here you go, good enough. Here on AV Power Up, we say that good enough is not enough, and it falls way short of what we consider an exceptional experience. What you say is an exceptional experience? Say you, you know, however you want it. Uh, actually, Infocom, and this was, uh, I, f I first heard about it at Infocom 2015 about the exceptional experience, and what they were talking about at the time was in terms of talking about end goals, content, space, technology, resources, case studies, putting that all together, common environments, the classroom, the meeting space, the museum, performing arts, house of worship, live events, achieving your goals, collaboration, exploration, instruction, sensation, uh, wow, you know, this is, a, this is a lot to take in, and by the way, I think everybody needs to take in at least part of it, if not all of it. Uh, on Navy Power Up episode 49, we explored the CEDIA exceptional experience with CEO Vin Bruno and Mark Chowski, CEO at Clarity AV International Incorporated, where one of the topics we discussed was best practices. I told a story when we had Mario Maltese, Executive Director of the Association for Quality and Audiovisual Technology Incorporated, AQAV, and Bill Natras, Director of Channel Strategy, Paging at Miami on AV Power Up Episode 68, of an installer in the integration company I was a senior account manager with, and how he mounted an input plate in the Director of Engineering for the company's office a bit noticeably askew. He received what could have been the dressing down of his life, at least his career life, maybe a bit harsh. Or was it? 
You see, I can only imagine that the thought going through his mind, and I'm talking about the director of engineering at the time, is that this installer probably would finish a job, look at the work and say, eh, good enough. Spaghetti cabled racks, projector and display ceiling mounted nightmares, whiteboards hung, hung crooked. When does this end? We're here to say that should never be acceptable for the client's sake or your business's bottom line. I'd now like to turn this over to Justin again to take us through that discussion of the exceptional experience. Go ahead, Justin. Which you may regret because I may, there may be rapture fire spitting going on here in a second because in our industry, we have, we have to figure this out. We have to. There is no ifs, ands, or buts. Um, and there are a lot of different reasons that we run into this good enough is good enough mindset. Um, and it comes from a number of, you know, it could be rationalized in a number of different ways. We can talk about training. We can talk about, you know, the bid process that goes into a job in which we're trying to, to buy, quote unquote, the bid and get, just get a foot in the door. There are a number of, of things that fall into this practice. I would posit, that's a, I think that's a word. We, we spoke nimbly, so I'm going to use the word posit. <laughs> um, I would posit at this point that every component that we use as an excuse for the good enough, good enough argument is within our control. Absolutely 100%. There is, th there are, there is something we can do to resolve that. Jeremy, what are your thoughts about, about that statement? <laughs> I have too many thoughts about the statement of, of is it good enough and quality control within our industry. I think that it starts with the customers personally. Um, Customers are accepting. Uh, so to go back to what Corey said, that wasn't the dress. He deserved that dressing down of his life because it came from the customer. The, the engineering person was the customer there. And if the customer is going to accept that subpar quality work, then that's just going to continue the trend of subpar quality companies continuing to be in the space. So in my mind, it's, it's up to the quality innovators within the industry to educate our customers on what they should be expecting and don't expect anything less. You know, they wouldn't expect, they wouldn't accept a, a data port from some telecom company that didn't actually function and get punched down at the end. But it's pretty amazing what they will accept from the audiovisual industry because unfortunately, here in 2016, we're still not quite as viewed as part of that, you know, construction trade group the way that, that we should be, although apparently Australia is leading the whole charge on, on all things quality. So, yeah, I'll stop now. You can call back on me, but I'm available for any conversations on quality and how to move it forward. And, and the last statement I'll make is that the integrator needs to not be going for good enough. It, it needs to be a mindset of it's never good enough. And although the customer is the ultimate metric in deciding whether or not you created a good quality customer experience, the mindset of the integrator should always be great. How do I do that again? How do I improve upon that customer experience for the next time? Well, and one thing you touched on, I kind of want to put my own spin on it. When it comes to integrators, we have such a huge pool to choose from across this nation 
Um, everyone has, you know, either a straight AV shop or it's a cable shop that has an AV shop or it's an IT shop that has an AV shop. There are a number of different ways to get into that arena. Um, and it's almost as if the word quality has been downgraded to just the buzzword that's on the side of the van for advertising <laughs> in our world. And it's not reflected upon as a mantra. Quality is not a buzzword. Quality is not something you put on your card so you can make your, mark your checkbox. I'm a sales guy and the word quality is on my card. Check. I'm going to get in the door. It, it should be a, a mindset. It should be an ongoing process to deliver the value you're being paid to do. The end user is writing your check. The end user is ensuring that for this amount of time that this transaction has occurred, you know, hours for dollars, your doors are open. They are meeting requirements for you. Why wouldn't you meet requirements for them? And you're right. It does go back to the users and educating the users should be our first priority. Educating them as to what quality is. Educating them to that, you know, it is okay to go to an integrator and say, hey, I really want X and you need to deliver it. As some people get so worked up in the whole the sales language and whatnot and in you find that one salesperson that comes in like a used car sales guy, you know, hair slicked back. And what would it take to get you into teleprint system today? You know, fingers up in the air. Um, you know, that's not what we need. We need more quality work and not the buzzword. We need the mindset behind it. Well, and if I could just say the customers have all the power, it's the money. Don't pay them. Just don't pay them until you get what you want and don't accept something that is subpar. You have all the power in the world. Well, and it's not just the power. You have the ability to shape the outcome. You have the ability to shape what that looks like. That's cool. That's something to be afraid of. I think we as the AV industry tend to be afraid of that. We tend to be afraid of, you know, letting the customer come to us and tell them what, we're, what they're looking for helping us define success, the very thing that we need with the period at the end of the sentence, the icing on the cake with the candle lit on top for the birthday party is right there in front of us. And we could easily walk through that process. And yet we tend to shy away from it because we're afraid. And that's hard. That's a hard dictum to break. Now, Vic, I'm interested to see your take because you're on the other opposite end of this. So we have Jeremy who's in the trenches, knocking this stuff out day after day. Yeah, Paul Zeely on his cloud, you know, whatever he is, is looking at us little ants down below. He's on a floating carpet. No, I, I, no. I'm just wondering what salesperson pissed you off. <laughs> <laughs> you want the you want the long list or the short list? Uh, yeah, don't, get, don't get him started, uh, Paul. This will be a five hours. Yeah, it was very obvious. Look. Don't say that. Salespeople killed my family. <laughs> <laughs> Paul. I remember my father came in my bedroom and said, run, run to the woods and don't come back until the salespeople have gone. Paul. And I was there in the woods as I watched my house burn. There was a customer gentle in the forest and he came to me slowly. I was scared. Wow, you paid one price and got a Paul Zealy narrative with it. So. <laughs> I don't know. You don't get better than this, I must say. I'll tell you what, Paul. Hang on to that for a second. I have something for you and your ponytail here in a moment. Vic. What do you think on the manufacturer's end? Because this reflects on you. Poor quality installs will hit the front wall, which is the integrator. But eventually, if they walk into a room and this has not been done to 
specifications and it's not functioning regardless of if you did anything or not, they'll see that little Logitech brand name down at the bottom and say, aha, it must be his fault. Yeah. Yeah. No, there, there's, uh, you know, classic examples that you see all the time. One example is uh, people who want to deploy dedicated PCs, they will sometimes deploy underpowered dedicated PCs as their first getting into deploying video in rooms. And we oftentimes get that call. Hey, why isn't my video working? Like I can't get to HD. Well, it's or HD video. Well, it's because you're using a, you know, underpowered processor, like a cell runner or something. So um, we're definitely trying to, uh, help the customer from our end make those recommendations on what's the right equipment to put together with our cameras. Um, in addition, I, I also think there's a um, interesting piece, especially for video rooms. Um, in addition to AV and IT, there's also the whole facilities aspects of it because furniture and placement of furniture and how you actually configure the room can make a huge difference as well to the success and, and the usability of the space. Um, and that's another thing that we're also trying to do and engage on and help inform customers in the market on is how better to kind of look at that total solution. Well, it's funny. So funny story about that. I was installing a video conference room one day in my myriad past, probably not as long ago as Paul Zeely was, but close possibly. Uh, we're talking like geo time with the dinosaurs. And you're going through the process and we had this video conference room spec'd out and it was old school VC, right? So big rack in the back, hardware appliance running the codec system, and they wanted to have one of those Star Trek tables. And, you know, for those playing the home game, if you haven't heard of that, it's the trapezoidal table that, depending upon where your camera is, spreads the audience out so everybody can be seen in the frame, even though it may not, the room may not be able to deep enough to support it on a, on a regular field of view setup. Went through the process and we gave them specifications for it. Facilities, you know, tried their darndest because, you know, this is back, we still had ISD and trunk lines for video conferencing to say the least. And we're building this room out. And as an advocate, the integrator we're using really didn't do a fantastic job of relaying those specifications. And so the facilities folks just did the best they could. And so the room got put together and everything got launched and we walked in for the first call and uh, I wasn't on the team built that one. I was actually building something in the building over. All I saw was the email flame from the, the vice president used the room first. And there were a lot of words in there that I had to look up because, you know, little old me, I'm not Paul Zealy with a huge intellect. You know, I carry a thesaurus wherever I go. Paul Zealy is a thesaurus apparently. We're going through all of this. I just and I went, have Google. Yeah, Google, you know, it works. So I went to check out what was going on. First off, they installed, they installed the table backwards. So instead of the trap was a little end being at one side, it was actually flipped in reverse. So the small end was at the camera fitting and everyone couldn't be seen because they flared off into space. The second time, the second part was they didn't use the proper finish. The table was a high gloss wood grain with direct lighting shining straight down on it. So everyone in the room looked like they had the whole halo effect going on. And I guarantee you nobody in that room was a saint, but it looked like they were on camera. So, I mean, I feel you completely, you know, and that's where we have to step in and be advocates for our customers because being an advocate for your customer and laying those things out for the facilities, people of the world, for the IT folks of the world, you know, requirements to help them move that along is very important. And you're absolutely right. Now, Paul, I almost shudder as I go back to Mr. Zeely. Paul, case in point, it wasn't a salesperson that pissed me off. Although there have been a number of salespeople who have done horrible, horrible things in my life. 
Um, it's not the sales experience. It was not the salesperson. It's the sales experience that I think we lack in, right? Um, because there is a different delineation between what you see in the quote unquote old school of sales when it comes to AV, when you were selling 3M overhead projectors and three gun CRT projectors, so on and so forth. And the new model of selling a service, selling yourself, selling the company, selling that brand name that is going to help you find solutions to your problems, how you find answers to your questions. And I know part of what you think on this because you and I have sat down and talked about it in other video conferencing scenarios. But what is your take on that as the, as the service version outside, thinking outside the big box, if you will, and moving beyond um, that? My, my take on sales, and I will go with the big caveat that, that uh, I have never had a job that the primary responsibility was sales, although... Um, you're always selling in every job where you, you should be. Um, I am a big believer in, in the, the consultant sale and uh, the honest broker method of it. I'm not a big high pressure. So I, I actually believe that, yes, bringing value and consultation within the sale, um, I will be the first person to uh, tell a customer that, my product isn't necessarily appropriate for their use. Um, if for no other reason, then I'm not in sales. I don't get commission. I do get angry phone calls. So, so I'm just avoiding pain. Um, but, but, but ultimately, I've been in this business for, for more than 30 years. And with a, a few notable exceptions, I pretty much haven't lost anybody who won't work with me again. So this is a, this is a long-term a long-term thing for me and the way you deal with that is to 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 give what's what's promised you know quality um absolutely and, and quality is is an agreed upon is an agreed upon thing and if you don't believe that customers set expectations high enough then then you can go in that direction but on the other hand um I see just as many cases where customers have been way oversold and, and are, have, have systems that, that um, are way past what they need and they're not going to grow into. And, you know, we're not a good, a good value for that customer because they spent a lot of, of money on, on things. So, so, you know, picking that right thing, having the consultative relationship, understanding what they're trying to do, which is one of the biggest problems I see because um, I see a lot of really bad rooms. Um, so uh, it, it, it's amazing to me. And, and, and some of these are designed by very reputable consulting firms or very distinguished consulting firms. And, and you look at it, and uh, you go, wow, somebody didn't put in the effort here. They said, oh, they need one of conference room number three, slap it down, charge them 60 hours and, and move on to the next. So, so it's really, let's go beyond quality. Let's provide value. You know, you do a good job and put it in, but ultimately, and, and value is, is 
giving them the quality that they want, but also um, in the other direction, giving them the appropriate technologies. Well, I think you touched on two key things. Uh, first off, trash in, trash out, right? If you're not listening to your customer, if you're not generating that value by investing on the user experience, you know, if you're not, if you're not, you know, investing on the religion, of the user experience in that moment, then what you produce is not going to be what they're looking for. Now, it may be the most awesome whiz bang room ever made, right? With monitors coming up out of the tables on tracks and all this kind of cool stuff. But if all they wanted was a Logitech conference can connect, you might have missed the boat. And two, I think defining it as value is also a very important thing. The quality would assume kind of that stigma behind it, right? Kind of that overall drive of what do we, uh, what, what, what do we look at when it comes to uh, the overall solution? And providing value is the most important part of it. Um, I will offer my caveat. I don't hate salespeople. I really don't. They're really kind of crucial to what we do because not everyone in an engineering perspe- perspective can walk into yeah. a building. It, it, it's, it's not like they're marketing people. We can all agree about marketing. <laughs> well, wait a minute because I'm glad you don't hate salespeople because being a former integration salesperson and potentially a not one again. That, that, that's recovering salesperson. <laughs> yeah, we are right. A former recovering salesperson. But I said potentially soon again. What uh, do you got, Corey? One day at a time, Corey. Yeah, I know, Paul. I'm getting there. Trust me, I'm getting there. It's been long enough. But anyway, I I have to agree to a certain point here as well, and actually to more of a point, in that when does the selling end and the consulting begin? Well, I think when the selling goes too long, all right, that's where a lot of the problem begins, all right? And, you know, you really need to talk about a consultory relationship. And when I was in sales, I always said I don't want to be called a salesman. All right. I didn't necessarily become a consultant per se. Call me Denise. (laughs) (laughs) I would rather them do that than call me a salesman. Okay. Because that was a dirty word to me. But, you know, the whole thing is, is I think everybody has to come from a consultory mindset and, and quality has to be built into that mindset in every way. All right. That's from the very beginning to open the discussion with the customer. Okay. To going on the site survey, to, you know, what you're going to um, be talking about from there, uh, you know, delivering the, the proposal, the, uh, the scope of work, and, um, you know, and all that goes with it. But, you know, I think the mindset has to transfer from sales to engineering to project management to installation all the way down the line. And, you know, with that... Uh, you know, that, that brings us into the full discussion. Uh, and, that, and that's where things really, to me, can't go wrong, you know, in the very end for the client. Because, again, as Jeremy says, is the client has one, one weapon, and that's not paying the bill. Right? Because they say, well, we didn't get what we asked for here. And if that's what happens to you, unfortunately, keeping the lights on is going to become the next problem that you're going to have in this discussion. So, you know, I, ha- I, ha- I have to say from the very, very beginning to that, f- from that first conversation until that job is closed out, signed off, and what, what AQAV brings also with AB9000, Jeremy, we know that you are a training partner of theirs, uh, you know, the checklist and everything else. I mean, that, that, that's so important to me. 
okay, that that job is still not left until the checklist is, is you know, is consulted even. And, you know, tell, tell us a little bit about that, Jeremy, in terms of AQ, in terms of AB 9000 checklist and all that has to do with that. Absolutely. AB 9000 is a, it's a quality management system that's really targeted at our industry. Um, there's a, a lot of great integrators out there that do a phenomenal job of getting to all the way to the end of the project and then testing the project to verify. AB 9000 takes a much more holistic approach, bringing it all the way back to the beginning and really looking at and ensuring as we've had Paul, you know, made a great point. Let's not oversell the customer. The customer experience starts at the beginning with the salesperson and truly identifying the needs of that, of that particular customer. And then how do we check that throughout the process? How do we take a moment and stop at each key milestone in the project and say, hey, does this align with what the customer said and needed? And did we actually provide a system that the customer needed and wanted and didn't oversell? And did we go through the checklist to verify that? Uh, AV9000 is a whole set of checklists to be uh, to be applied at key milestones throughout the entire project to maintain that quality throughout the entire process as opposed to getting all the way to the end and then checking quality at the end when really you're past the point of being able to do anything about it and you're at the most expensive point of being able to do anything about it. So yeah, AV9000 again, it's, a, it's ISO 9000, which is a international quality management system standard. It's had the verbiage applied to many other industries, telecommunications, automotive, aerospace. And now Mr. Maltese and AQAV have taken that and applied it to our industry in one of the most heroic approaches of trying to get quality built into our industry and trying to start to build that mindset of discipline, starting to build that mindset of don't just turn the TV on and, and hear audio coming out of the speakers and walk out of the room and expect your paycheck, but actually test that system, perform, really verify performance, and most importantly, have a system in place that you can go all the way back to and say, is this what we sold the customer? Yes, it is. And here's the scientific proof that this is what we sold the customer. It removes a lot of subjectivity out of the process. That's the whole goal. Somebody mentioned it earlier on. We cannot rely on the single hero of the AV company to go commission these systems. It's not scalable. It's not what this industry needs. We need a repeatable system that is teachable and trainable and expandable. And most importantly, you have to have companies dedicated to that process. And that's a challenge. I mean, I even see it within my organization. Things get busy. Things don't line up perfectly. Humans want to cut a corner. Hey, you know what? I know it works. Why do I have to check that point on the checklist? Well, because we're committed to quality and we're committed to making sure that we know not just in one person's mind, but that we actually have an auditable process that we went through that verified that single check. So yeah, huge AV9000 proponent. It is exactly what this industry needs and it's really designed for the user. And I think that's one of the beautiful things about AV9000 is that it's not really for the integrator. It's not really for the designer or the consultant. 
it's for the user. It's all about ensuring that that user is actually getting the system that they needed in the first place and that we have a process to follow to verify that we provided that system that they needed in the first place. So, you know, when you focus something that's all about the user, you're going to win. We're all going to win across the board because the user's paying for all of our lunches, you know, to take a to take a, a note from what Mario likes to say in his presentations, we're all here because the user needs an audiovisual system in the first place. It's our responsibility to try to provide the most quality experience all the way through. So to put a nice little bow on this, because I'm pretty sure we've gone over our lot of time, um, this all boils down to the user. Everything we've discussed today, right? Delivering a quality product for the user. Establishing value, <laughs> establishing value for the user, understanding the user requirements, not overselling the users. It all boils down to a user-centric environment. So our goal as AV professionals should be not so much catering to the users because there are, you know, our peers in this engagement, but listening and understanding their needs and understanding what quality, what value looks like for them and delivering on that and using tools like AQAV, AV9000 to provide specifically what they're looking for and have a usable metric we can use to say, what you, what you paid for is what you get. Now, what else can I do for you? And with that, Mr. Moss, I think that's a show. All right, before we, before we uh, do get to wrap it up, I want to uh, bring Sandy and Darren into the discussion quickly. Sandy, of course, from the service side, she does deal with service every day, the customer and everything else. So this is obviously a big discussion for you as well, Sandy, in terms of the quality, um, training the customer up properly and everything. So go ahead, give us your quick synopsis of uh, this discussion. Sure, absolutely. Um, I mean, it does. It ends up coming down to uh, even, you know, on from the very beginning to, you know, uh, the, the salesperson going in and speaking with, you know, the customer and going to site and looking to see how, you know, how, what's in the room, facilities, um, all the way through, you know, going through engineering all the way through to the end when the job is complete, it ends up coming back to service. Who do they call? They end up calling service if they have an issue or they have a question. And in everything that we talked to tonight, Absolutely all key on point, you know, when um, like with Vic with Logitech, you manufacture, you know, client, clients don't sometimes don't know. They know they have an issue. They look at something and say, well, it must be, you know, must be the product. It's not necessarily always the product. It could be, you know, that a that the train the the end user was never fully trained correctly on how to use the product or what the capabilities are. So they have that wide array. And I absolutely it ends up to in the very beginning of listening to that end user, what exactly are they going to be using that space for? What is it that they want to be doing? Um, that's going to get you by listening and hearing them and talking to that end user, the one that's going to be using that system. That's where your end result is going to come from. And then, um, you know, by all means, always having, you know, that end where they know they can have that confidence in calling someone if they have an issue and know that they can trust in you to help them, whether, you know, over the phone, come on site, and that, that's, that's repetitive for our future. You know, they got to have that, that, that peace of mind of knowing at the end that they can call you. 
Excellent. Darren, the former AV uh, industry installer, go ahead, your take. Um, actually, you know, I have a, I have a, um, a pretty interesting story that actually will kind of bring things home. Um, talking with a, with a, with a, with a customer, they have literally um, opted out of integrating any AV in their space. Um, they have basically dealt with all the local providers, uh, even a couple of out of town providers. Um, and they said that, you know, and listening to this guy, he's a very, you know, he's very accurate. Everything that he says, you know, he's, he's very on point. And he said, every salesperson that came in offered the exact same thing and they used the same punchlines. Um, and he's like, all we want is somebody to come in and grow with us. We want somebody to come in and spend some time with us. Um, and, but what caught me was, the, was, you know, growing with them. Um, and as, as integrators, you know, we got to start thinking, well, these people are also, since they, they, they pay our bills. So by extension, they are family and friends. They are people that we have to have some kind of emotional <laughs> attachment to, I know you have to love the person, but you have to, we have to have a common respect and, and that's also missing. Um, so hearing this guy and, and, and hearing how they, they've got Boku bucks to spend, but they won't spend any because they basically don't want anybody to, to waste their time and waste their money. Um, that put things in perspective. Um, and, you know, I had, I had no choice but to, obviously, <laughs> I personally want to sell them a solution, but, you know, that's not how all, all things work. But, but again, it, it put things in perspective for me. Um, it, it really, it really hit home. Yeah, I'll say something interesting to wrap that up. I, I actually had clients who were good friends of mine too. We'd have lunch, we'd have, you know, we, we talk, we shoot the breeze, whatever. And, and it's like, why would you let a good friend down? Okay. They're a customer too. It's like, it's like Darren says, you consider these customers, they're your friends too. They're, you need them. Just like you need a friend, you need your customers too. So Treat it as such, I guess, in that kind of mindset is that you can't do without the customer. All right? You want more friends? You want more customers? Same thing. So I guess if we can boil it down to that, that's, that's a good analogy too. Uh, we are going to wrap this up. It's been a tremendous discussion. Um, I want to thank my guests, uh, Jeremy Elsesser, Level three audio visual. Jeremy, tell us all about the ways we can find out more about the company. Uh, please visit us at our website, www.level3av.com. Mm -hmm. And you are a training partner of AQAV as well. Absolutely. Okay, so there's that. How about yourself? Uh, ways to find you? Ways to find me. You can hit me on LinkedIn. You can hit me on Facebook. I have a Twitter that's not as active as it could or should be. Um, but also hit me through the website. You can find the bios for everybody at the organization on the website. We have ways of getting people active on Twitter. I don't know how we do it. We just do. So be prepared. The two times that I've touched Twitter in the last two weeks are related to Corey in this show. So. See that? So there you go. And by the way, Paul Zeely, uh, uh, he has followers but follows nobody. 
So, and he never will follow a soul, as a matter of fact. So he claims. So that, that, that would thing. violate my digital footprint policy. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So, uh, Paul Zeely, thank you very much for joining us. How are all the ways to find out about Paul Zeely? There are many as far well, as. You know. Well, it, interestingly, although there's no AMX, there's www.amx.com. Oh, okay. There you go. So that's where AMX is. Huh? Wow. So, so I guess they've gone into cyberspace. Oh, maybe. Um, okay. Other than that, if you uh, want to find me, use the appropriate channels. If you should be talking to me, you probably already know how. Mm-hmm. There you go. And also make sure you, you catch Paul Zeely's uh, sessions on network security. Um, you must actually catch those sessions if you get a chance. Uh, Vic Bagat with uh, Logitech. Vic, thank you so much for joining us tonight to talk about Conference Camp Connect, the rest of the Logitech solutions. How can we find out more about Logitech? Yeah, thanks. It's been a pleasure uh, being on here today. Um, you can find out more about Logitech in our Conference Camp and business products. You can go to logitech.com slash VC. It'll take you directly to our video uh, collaboration pages. Um, and you can reach me on uh, LinkedIn or at Twitter at Vic underscore Bagat. Now the question we always ask, and hopefully they get it right, is how do we find at, how, how do we find it on Twitter, Logitech? Yeah, so we have uh, we have a couple different pages, and it's uh, um, at Logitech VC is our video collaboration on the business side. There you go. You passed. Good job. So, <laughs> all right, Vic. Thank you so much. Thank you three for joining us. Great show. To my crew, Sandy Trollo. Hey, Sandy wasn't here last week, but she did make it this week, and she has promised to be on every show from now on. Uh, <laughs> Sandy, thanks a lot. <laughs> Thank you. That's Thank a tall you. promise. Well, <laughs> stick to it. Sorry, it's in the agreement. Darren Pitchback. Thank you, buddy. Thank you. All right. And the Google. Justin Watts, who did such a masterful job of leading the second half of this show. Thank you, man. You're very welcome, sir. Thank you. All right. Um, so, uh, again, thank you all. Thank my guests. Thank my crew. Thank you all for listening. Next week is the post-CDA show. Katie McGregor-Bennett will be leading that one as the host again. We're hoping to have Vin Bruno back as well as other special guests. So uh, stay tuned next week for that, and we will see you next time.